Welcome back to the Unbreakable Mindset Podcast with me, your host, Jude Daunt. From the feedback I had from last week's episode, it sounded like the tone of it was pitched just right. I was a little bit nervous to put it out because I knew how I'd been feeling at the start of the week and I knew I mentally was trying to pull myself back into a good headspace. So I was conscious of not recording a, a, a really depressing podcast. <laughs> and and I'm so pleased that it did land in the way which was intended, which was for you to be able to get yourself out of that energy shift, no matter what is going on in your life. And this really connects to the next guest that I have on the podcast for you. And before I hand you over to that recording that we did, God, I think it was back in mid-September. The reason why I got Susie on the podcast is because her story is a one of absolute adversity from not having anyone to rely on family, friends, absolutely turning their back on this person to being able to not just cope, but absolutely thrive. And it really it really does connect with last week's episode. So please do give it a chance, listen to, I know sometimes people don't like it when there's guests on, but please do give it a chance because Susie's story is really, really powerful. And I do think you will get a lot from it. So welcome to the show Susie Pettit. Susie is a mindfulness-based cognitive life coach based in Australia. Welcome Susie to the podcast. Thank you Jude. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. So before I get a guest on the show I always like to think about what what is it going to bring to the episode? What is it going to bring to you as a listener? And as I went through a few of Susie's podcast episodes, one thing that really stood out, the most powerful topic that we could talk about is Susie's story and how she came not only to become a life coach and to do the amazing, powerful work that she does, but also how she managed to create this life for herself. So if you were somebody who is struggling right now and feels like, you know, I can't move forward because I don't have a support system. I don't have the family around me, the friends around me who'll support me to get me where I want to be. Or you feel like financially you can't change anything. Then this episode is going to change the way you think about that. Susie, tell us what we need to understand about you and how you got to this point because becoming a life coach I always think is very much a oh god I don't want to say like a vocation because it sounds <laughs> sounds like we went into the church but in a sense of it is very much something that when we decide to become a coach it's because nine times out of ten we want to help people that have struggled like us so tell us a little bit about how you came to life coach and what had to change for you to get here yeah, I, I 100% um, you, you, you clicked out for a little bit, but I think I got the message. I'm trying to help people <laughs> figure out, you know, my journey and to feel supported and energized and, and uplifted. And that really is what I'm here to do. I, I think of myself as someone that can empower 
people to sort of step into their best life. And that is usually, it's because I lived a life I didn't love for many years. My whole, my podcast, I run a Love Your Life school. It, it, I call it the Love Your Life show because I didn't love my life for so many years. I just, in a, in a quick nutshell, I grew up in a house that was um, quite regimented and rule-based. I had a father and I was the oldest of three daughters. And it was, you know, I, I grew up in a very well-to-do town in um, the Northeast of America. So it was not like I was in the middle of nowhere, but very much interesting in that like the conditioning in my house was that my dad was the ruler. My mom had very little voice and all of us girls needed to do what my dad said. So it was very, you know, patriarchal in that way. But it also was even more so in that um, from a very young age, I was taught that I wasn't good enough. As long as I can remember, I was told that I should have been a boy, that it would have been better if I was a boy. And so I take that aside, whether I'm a boy or not, it's almost like I, you know, it would have been better if I had red hair, like something I absolutely couldn't control. And so I just started my life feeling like something was wrong with me, something was broken. And that is something that, you know, I, I really carried <laughs> through my formative years in trying to, it was like I was dancing this dance. Is this good enough, dad? Is this good enough, dad? Is this, but nothing was ever good enough uh, because at my very nature, I wasn't what, you know, I was told as a young girl was what I needed. And so I took, there was a lot of, of conditioning in that, in that house of the lots of rules of what we could do, what we couldn't do, a lot of secrecy. I, I do think, you know, there was some narcissism going on. Um, and I left that house to, as a total people pleaser, 100% high achiever. Like I was, I forget what I got in high school, like best grades, best athlete. Like, you know, I just like, if I, if I could take care of the external, I tried to, to try to get that internal feed, but my internal self-worth was zero. Like that cup was, was tanked. And so I moved from that as one could probably imagine into a relationship that was very similar in college where I was looking for his approval, what he said was right. And if he told me not to wear, you know, V-neck shirts, which he did, I didn't. If he told me not to read this book, I didn't. And um, it, it really was like I was living in some sort of weird cult cave that like, sure, I went to a like a, a very well-to-do university, but somehow my brain was always like I othered myself. So if anyone feels like they're different or rules don't apply to them, or they might see other people acting in a certain way, um, but they're feeling they're different, I, like I'm here to tell you to listen to that voice. You're not different, even though you're amazing and magnificent. You're not some unique unicorn that like rules don't apply to you. Because I definitely felt I felt less than, but also like no one could really understand. It was, it was a very secret, um, like Susie's not good enough place. And so I went on from that, um, following the rules, being a people pleaser, doing what other people want me to do. And, my, and even so much as like changing my major, uh, because my husband thought it would be good for me to stay at home with the kids. I was, you know, like just all sorts of interesting choices along the way. Yeah, I was full-time mom. I I had three boys. I and I was very much chasing this sort of elusive like I'll be happy when type thing because I felt like I was following all the rules. I was like, okay, you know, I know that I'm not good enough at my core, but like if I do this, then I'll be happy. If I 
go, you know, graduate from high school. Then if I graduate from college, okay, if I get the husband, I'll be okay. Now, if I have the kids, okay, now maybe I'll have a dog and I'll be happy. And I just was like chasing these things outside of me until, um, at age 34, one of my friends, my dearest friend, um, we were in a playgroup together and we sort of had parallel lives. And what I mean by that is we, we, we both had marriages we weren't happy in. We had, I didn't share my inner being cause I didn't feel worthy, but we did share, we'd sort of get together every week and complain about our husbands. And, and then, you know, we had a weekly play date and we'd get together and complain about our life or whatever. She was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. And she, um, at the time I ended up being one of her primary caregivers and one of the things she said to me, it was a, you know, a, a multi-year battle, but near the end, she just looked at me in her emaciated state and said, Susie, don't do this. Don't live for someday. She's like, don't do what I did. You know, go big. I think she said, like, it was just this, like, stop, like, stop this fallacy. And that, you know, I don't know if I said in this recording or not, I had been in therapy. I had been, which therapy to me was similar like it was with my friend. I'd get together every week and like complain <laughs> about my life. It was like every week there was like a different story plot, but same background planning. And so it's some, and, and when I was caring for this woman, um, my husband didn't like that either, but that was something that like, there, there were like little guideposts along the way that I guess I'd like listeners to look out for if they're feeling alone or they're feeling like they can't make a change. There were little moments along my life path that it was like, I call her my inner warrior, warrior with an A. She like, it was like she was tapping me and she's like, no, 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 you got to do this. So like my husband was against me helping this woman because as a narcissist, I think you don't, you know, you like secrecy and getting out of the house. That's scary for him. But there was something in me where I was like, oh, heck no. And around that time I had um, discovered podcasts, which he didn't know about. So he couldn't control, he controlled which books I read, who I talked to mostly, but the podcast he couldn't control. And so one of the podcasts I got on was a life. Um, it's where I was certified with the Love Your Life School. And at the time, the head, Brooke Castillo, was was doing like free weekly calls. And you could call up and get, I think it was like a 12-minute coaching session. So I've spent decades in therapy going hours, you know, and I go on this coaching call and I can still remember where I was sitting. I can still remember what I was wearing. And it changed my life. It was that like, it just stopped Susie and just got me to see sort of this shift of this mindset. And while I don't want anyone to think that it was all rainbows and daisies from there, because I'm still married to a man and all my finances are, you know, wrapped up in all of that. That was a turning point for me. The death of my friend recognizing we're not going to live forever. Like whose life is this? And one of the things that I notice as a coach is that moment when people notice their parents are people, sort of that separation. Like, you know, when a girl becomes a woman or a man, be a boy becomes a man is when they, they sort of defy their parents or set up boundaries with their parents or go against. And that was right around that time that I was able to, to step out and, and to start making changes. Okay, so for the listener, we've had a few technical glitches. So we're now on a different <laughs> format. So if it sounds completely different, the rest of this, the rest of this recording, it's because we've jumped onto a different platform. The, the 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 point that you were up to was was horrific because you were at the point where you were caring for your friend and she told you not to live the life that you were living anymore. Now, 
once you decided that and and you'd done the that was it a 12 minute coaching did you say yeah a 12 minute coaching um you decided to, to take action on that now because obviously I've listened to your story now and I know it the 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 consequences of that for you which you know many people decide you know what I don't want to be in this relationship anymore it doesn't serve me and, and for some people that's an that's an easy you know what let's just amicable agree thing. it's not working it's amicable yeah and and for you your life I mean, I nearly cried listening to the story on the way in. Um, yeah. Your life changed considerably. Can you tell me, can you tell the, the people listening a little bit about what happened and, and how your life changed considerably when you decided you wanted to to, to leave the marriage? Yeah, I, I think what, so I, I love that we had glitches in this because that's what life is all about. Like we have glitches all the time and it's just like you roll with it. And I think that's what is, you know, if you're a listener and we're feeling so like, oh my gosh, what's going on in my life? Like to just remember that you are so much stronger than you think you are. Like, you know, we are not as fragile as we think we are. And I, uh, I definitely had, you know, these, you know, my friend passed, I had this coaching and I think what the coaching did was shifted my mindset as when you introduced me, you introduced me as a mindfulness-based cognitive coach. That's what I do. I help people see what's happening in their life to see if what they're thinking about what is happening in their life is empowering them or disempowering them. So I literally went from being a victim in my life to being more of an agent or a victor, not quite there yet at that moment. But I, I really was like, oh, like it, it was like she took sunglasses off that I was wearing that was having me see everything through these like negative poor Susie lenses to, and that this is just what life is to a like, oh, wait a minute, I can do something about this. Hold on. So I did, you know, sometimes we have to go into things sort of um, delusionally or a little innocently. Like I definitely was like, oh, okay, I'm going to ask my husband to go to therapy. Like, well, I, like my whole life exploded, as you know, and I can fast forward through that. But that really was a moment where I think we went to four different marital counselors. The final one fired us and just said, you know, we need two people to make this work. You're done. So I definitely went from this period of, okay, I've, I've given it my all, like, I, and now let's go to divorce. What I didn't foresee happening was when I told my family, my biological, you know, mom and dad and, and two sisters, that they would 100% object to what I was doing. Um, that up until that moment, until I said, like, I'm looking to end the divorce, they were very supportive on my side, like, go, Susie, go to therapy, like, get the books and very, you know, all of this. And when I said I was going to leave my marriage, they 100% flipped. My dad said that he would support my husband's lawyer. My mom said I was going to go to hell when, you know, my marriage was happy enough. My sister said that she'd turn over um, emails and texts where I said things like, you know, like I, we would, she was in Massachusetts and I was living in Virginia, which was, you know, it's like an eight hour drive away. So we would email or text back and forth. And I just say, I'm having a really hard day with the kids. I feel like such a bad mom. And so she said, I'd turn those emails over to the court to show that I was a bad mom like things just went south really quickly in a way that I never foresaw <laughs> ever happening and then add in I have been a stay-at-home mom there's a 19-year marriage I have no money except for you know like I mean really like I I I, I had no money I had premarital earning 
that when I was getting married to my husband in 1996, before things were online, I made the mistake of signing over my premarital into his name too. So I made it a joint account. And then that piece of paper that showed that in 1996, when we were married, um, before that, that had been my money, that was in my dad's hands. So I can still remember calling him and saying, dad, I, and we were on FaceTime. It was before Zoom and all of a sudden I said, dad, I need that piece of paper. Like, can you, and he in front of me shredded it, which meant that those earnings and all the interest that it, that it, it was up to $476,000. That was my like, okay, I can do this with the kids gone. And in the state that I lived in, the state of Virginia, I am the property of my husband. It's still on the books now. So every cent of that went to my ex. It wasn't that it was split 50-50, so I, I, every cent. So I found myself literally bankrupt, fighting for child custody with, with my dad and my husband, who has a salary going to, you know, and then <laughs> the state of Virginia, you can't get a divorce without living separate for a year. But my husband said that if I left without a court decree, if I left, he would say that I was abandoning the kids, so I would lose custody. And if I left with the kids, he would say that I'm kidnapping the kids. So I would lose custody. So I needed to stay in. It was like, they said some word for it, shelter in place in the basement, unfinished basement of my marital home. I told the kid, you know, my kids are young. They were like eight, 12 and 14 or something. And I was, I told them, mommy had a bad back. She's going to be sleeping in the unheated basement. Like they, they, after like, cause we wanted to try to get it to a place like you know, when we said, okay, now we're getting a divorce after a while, they were like, you don't have a bad back, but it just, to say that things were awful, they were awful. I, um, I, I just, so you I, had to sleep in the base, the basement, because that showed that you were living apart, essentially. We that was the proof. My ex agreed that if we lived in the basement, like if both spouses agreed that at this date, which was like, it just passed. I saw it on my calendar, like September 14th of 20, whatever it was. Um, we both agree we separated that date, then I could stay in the house. That is, that's like the one concession I got from him. Um, even though he, yeah, it, it just, I, it was a horrendous thing. And I, um, I guess what I can speak to, to people who are listening is if you feel that it's bad, I get it. And it's bad. And I had dark, dark days, dark days. Um, and yet if you're having dark days, it's like just catching on to any little glimmer anything that is out there and I, I I really am grateful for there's there was something in me that on those darkest you know I spent many days crying on the floor and really afraid for my children um and that that's really a lot of what it was and just taking that next step is is how you do anything um it really is like that it's just if you can get out to take a walk um I would take a walk and I, I listened to this one song I just did a podcast on it myself. It's like Ellie Golding, um, anything can happen. And she sings in it. She goes like, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be. And then she goes, all right. And I, I would tell myself every day, base minimum, I had to get out and listen to that song. Um, Cause it was just like, I didn't believe her. I was like, everything is not going to be all right. Because let me tell you, I didn't see any of this coming. <laughs> but just those glimmers, I guess, is what, for people to hold on to and to just take the steps out because what I can share is that now it is, it's not even 10 years later, Jude, it is, um, it, you know, I mean, you know, the year whenever they're listening to this, but mm -hmm. I am now 
Um, I said, I'd never get married again. I took, you know, maybe three years off of dating completely, did my work, worked with my coach, got my coaching degree, did started a business because I was bankrupt and, <laughs> you know, really like literally clawed up from the bottom, learned about boundaries, learned about emotional dependent, emotional intelligence, learned about codependency um, and started meditating. And on that meditation app, met my now husband. It was a review. Like I had, I had, I said that I was going to start meditating one minute a day. I heard it was good for my mental health. It's just that like, like little steps make a big difference. I left a review on um, a sleeping meditation that I had done. And like three days later checked and someone had commented on my review and said, Susie, if you like this, you might like this too. And his name was Paul from Wollongong. And I'm from like the Washington DC, like high security area. And I'm like, okay, fruitcake. Like what kind of name, like town name did you make up for like, I just didn't even... Lo and behold, I'm living south of Wollongong, Australia. It's literally the other side of the world. Like my husband wrote a book actually called 9,756 Miles to Happiness because we literally were on opposite hemispheres and they literally are the opposite sides of the world. So it, it is possible. It does not happen overnight. It does happen with little steps. Um, people often want to know I do not contact. I'm not in contact with my biological family. But I am in a, like, I love them. I understand why they did what they did. I send them like love glimmers all the time. I, it's just, they, it is one of those boundaries. I mean, I actually, before I moved to Australia, I asked my dad, because um, he reached out to me again. And he, and he said, you know, in some way, and I said, well, dad, like, let's address this. Like these two things, like, would you have financed my husband's lawyer? And would you have um, said that you um, would you have shred that document again? Like it's, you know, however many years later. And he 100% said, absolutely. You were wrong. You are wrong. You are bad. You don't know. Like, and I was like, okay, thank you. So nothing's changed. <laughs> I mean, when you set boundaries, mm -hmm. some of it is, is it, boundaries I talk about as guidelines for how we want to be treated. Mm -hmm. It's not something we're doing to someone else. Like a boundary mm -hmm. for me is how I want to be treated. And that's not how I want to be treated in a relationship. So it is this, like I set him free. He can keep doing that and believing that. And but I don't need him in my life with those sort of um behaviors. So oh, again, oh my goodness. Like uh, I just uh I feel for the Susie who went through that on her own. Mm. Yeah. Like but on the flip side of it. You are a beacon of light for so many people to to show that it's possible. Because the thing is, even when you found the love of your life, I mean, mm -hmm. Jesus, that wasn't a bean easy because now he lives in like the other part of yeah. the world. So how does so that even work? Something very important there that is so crucial for listeners. And that's why I listen. I love that they listen to podcast shows like you or yours mm -hmm. is that it's to be this vision of what's possible or show yeah. what's possible. I stayed in that marriage. First of all, I got involved in that marriage because I didn't know something else was possible. I did. I just thought this is what families are like. This is how husbands treat their wives. This is the kind. And then I moved into that marriage and thought this is what, like I, he was, you know, I didn't have interaction with other women. I very much lived in this. Like I didn't see what was possible. Um, but and also if you grew up believing you weren't good enough because mm -hmm. of the fact that, you know, you were told that growing yeah. up. So therefore you'll accept less. 
than what you For deserve sure. because you don't feel good enough. So therefore, you that's, that's all you can, you can get. Yeah, that's, that's as, as good as you can get. get. Yeah. And so it's so important to... Like I just say for like anyone who's feeling really dark, really what you want to do is just like expand a little bit the window of possibility in your life. Like try, you know, it, it's like you don't go from like I didn't go from like the basement, the basement to where I'm to us now. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and you don't go from like a little bit of self-love to like I freaking love myself and stand up for myself. You don't do that. You just take the next right step. So if a podcast is podcasts are super helpful, I really think that's how so much of my brain just retrained itself I um in listening to things and it was it was this like secret education that I mm -hmm. could get that my ex didn't know about um and I I just also felt connected and mm -hmm. and learned you know learned things that that normalized some of what I was going through so I could keep going mm -hmm. um yeah just, just taking that next step I do believe, you know, I'm I'm a true believer that when somebody close to us passes over, they do stay when we need them. Their mm. spirit stays when we need them. And I, I just believe so powerfully that she was with you at your darkest mm. moment in that basement. Mm. She would have been with you going, mm -hmm. Susie, you can do this. You yeah. Can do this. Well, that's another thing that just, you know, I don't know how your audience is, but I, I very much lean into that, that, that our biological family is not always our chosen family mm -hmm. and that there are so many sources. Like if I'm sitting in the basement and feeling all victimy and awful and like, oh, but look at what my mom's doing and oh, look at what my sisters are doing. I'm closed off and not looking for all the woman guidance that are out there. Now mm. I, I had a lot of betrayal because a lot of, you know, my husband was a narcissist. So he very was convincing that I was the evil one and all of that. And yet at the same time, like I'm telling you listeners, I was like, think the moon is female energy. And I'd be like, mama moon, help me. Like, it's just like, when you're on your knees, you are like anything, help me. Yeah. And, and pulling on any of that support until then you can get out and you, you know, listen to people like Jude, who's, who's changing the world. And, and you find these people who are just supporting you and, and, you know, there are more people shining love out there than we realize. And the people that are hurt are hurt people. Like there's yeah. my parents are still married. It's like, yeah. it's so sad. And they like, they, you know, so when they're yelling at me to stay in the marriage, cause it's happy enough, that's cause that's their marriage. Mm. And if they have any sort of possibility that they could end their marriage then what does that mean for the last 80 years of their life their mm -hmm. whole world comes crumbling down and they weren't able to do that but I was for my boys I I I have a sign in my house that says the dysfunction stops here and I just that was my I was like there is no way I am modeling this type of marriage I am a woman raising mm -hmm. three boys and I am not going to be modeling this at any point whatsoever so there is, you know, at any point in our lives, we can sort of draw a line in the sand and coaching helps mm -hmm. you with that. It helps you with that. Like you literally can change, you change your thought and you can change quite quickly. You're still going to have mm -hmm. not arguing with like my nervous system will still react and there's work yeah. there. For, you know, when my yeah. now loving husband says something like, are you going to have chicken? It, it's like my sister, oh my God, can't like, I can't, it, it still sort of reacts sometimes. And I'm like, Okay. No, it's okay. You're safe. Wait a minute. Now. Why do you react to chicken? 
it just reacts like if he questions me sometimes like oh right okay okay yeah because in the past if I was questions because I'm wrong and there would be some sort of consequence like a mass so even and and now that's a codependent relationship I'm in an interdependent relationship so like I get to make my choices he makes his choices and together we're stronger and so, and and there is no, it, it's just none of that emotional drama and, and manipulation and gaslighting. And, um, but because I had been really like, it was like, I was a fish in like a bowl of like narcissistic water for 42 years of my life. Like those neuropathies run deep. And yeah. so now when he says, oh, okay, you sure you're going to go for a run this morning? He's just meaning it like, are you sure? But my nervous system might still react. So that sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely. You know, there is. Yeah, we've got muscle memory and it comes back and we've got to be conscious of that, don't we? You you are very much embodying that that quote that I always think can fall flat to some people. But when you hear your story reigns true, it's like when you change your thoughts, you change your world. And Mm. your thoughts were very much based on this is my life. This is all I can have. And there was a oh God, there was a quote that you said in the podcast that I listened to and oh god my perimenopausal brain will not let me remember things um it was something about like something to do with the daily grind or you live oh god I can't remember I'm gonna listen to it I'm gonna put it in at the end because I love the quote that you said anyway the quote that I was thinking of was um sorry yes the one that I'd said you you change your thoughts and you change you change your world I think if you're living in that and your thoughts haven't changed at that point, and you don't see what's outside of your world, you will literally think, well, that's a load of rubbish. That's mm-hmm. a load of rubbish. That can't happen for me because mm-hmm. of where I'm at right now. You don't know my story. But actually, 100%. it is literally going deep on what you believe and mm-hmm. how you feel about yourself. You know, when did you do the work? Because this is really interesting. When did you do the work to... to because sometimes it comes after, it comes after the change that we start to realize actually we are good enough. We will almost have to have evidence to prove that we are good enough. So where yeah, did you I, my, my good enough story? was like after, after, after. the divorce, mm-hmm. for sure. Like I, yeah. I just, I, it, yeah, it had to be more deliberate. I had a lot of lack yeah. of self-love, but I, just what you were saying about like, you change your thoughts, you change hundred percent. Like when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. And that's exactly what happened for me. That's yeah. a Wayne Dyer quote, that yeah. when I changed how I was looking at my past and I changed how I was looking at my marriage and my life from a victim to a victor, everything mm-hmm. changed. And I just like listeners to just be really like thoughts. If they're saying this can't happen to me, my situation is different. That is a thought, which is a sentence they're telling themselves in their head. Like I'm not, I don't need to get into whether it's right or wrong. I just always like saying like, is that thought helpful? Is it helpful for them to think that it can't change? Because I thought that for many years and I like to just push against it. Like, you know, what if I'm wrong? Mm. Like, because if we think we can't, we can't. Like we 100% cannot. If we think we yeah. can't, we don't feel confident. We don't feel empowered. We don't take the action. The result is that we don't. If we think we can, or we think maybe we might, or we think there's like, oh, maybe I'll just try this a little different. It it also goes back to that, who is it? Like Einstein quote, who's like, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting the same reason. For so many years, I was like, maybe if I say it this way, like, I'm like, oh, really, Susie? There's a, there's a, there's a, 
there's a thing that um uh, do you listen to much um Esther Esther and Jerry Hicks you know the yeah. Abraham Hicks yeah so Esther always says or, or Abraham rather always says um could you choose a better thought yes and that's yeah. so powerful isn't it because when we're stuck in yeah. with thoughts we just stuck in them but if you kind of just switched it and thought actually could I choose a better thought so a, a really simple one is um I couldn't do that no one would hire me flipping mm. it around and saying if I want to do that how could I get hired it's a better thought to have because then it gives you an action it gives you something that comes after it that first one is just a dead end because that's what you believe our brain is like a computer right so if we think we can't and we just shut it down I can send you my four thought turnaround that I really like I it's along that lines their their work and then Byron Katie came out with sort of a four question turnaround is this thought true but to me the true I get very like like lawyer like in my head I'm like well it is true and I just it's wasted energy. So instead I like to think like, is this thought helpful? Yeah. You know, you just said like Jerry and Esther were asking like, mm. is there another thought we could think? I just think, is yeah. this a helpful thought? When I think this thought, what do I do? And then a, a, a question I like ask myself is like, who would I be without this thought? Yeah. Like if I could just like put that on hold, like we don't have to prove it right or wrong or like find evidence for it. Cause any yeah. thought we think the brain goes to find evidence for it. Yeah. So if we're just, I'm just, I'm just going to put it over here on hold for a bit. Yeah. And who would be without that thought? If I thought that I couldn't do it, or if I thought that I couldn't get that job, or I thought I could never be a life coach, or I thought I could never start over at my age, or I thought I could never, I mean, yeah, run a business as like, whatever yeah. the thought is, it's like, okay. And so tell me how old you were, Susie, when you became a life coach and you started your business. I'm going to say 42. I'm 51 now. Amazing. 2014. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. And the, the the name of your podcast, if people want to start following you, which I'm sure they will, and they want to start listening to more of you, what's the name of the podcast? I love your life show. It's a show. It's because I, I didn't love my life for many years. And so yeah. I get on there every week and I'm just passionate about providing tips and tools, like tactical things people mm. can do to learn to love their life. Like some of the stuff we're talking about, about thoughts, if people are like, mm connected to her thought there are lots I've done lots and lots of study and research on the brain and on how we can sort of get out of like our brain doesn't like thinking new thoughts so we can't mm. just body image like we can't just start thinking I love my body when we hate our body we have too much cognitive dissonance so I, I teach things like bridge thoughts and I try to make it very actionable in there because podcasts changed my life I did not have money to pay so I, I love to give away loads of free mm information, things that literally, if you just listen to my podcast, you can change your life. I also then now have opened a love your life school. That is, I saw that your membership. Yeah. Starts um, if you are, if you identify as a woman and you're over the age of 40, I really try to help midlife women who might maybe have problems with codependency or don't understand emotional intelligence that you know, their, their feelings come from their thoughts, not their husband leaving the socks. And I, what I loved about that is it's, it's affordable coaching, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. $48 a month. Yeah. Amazing. I wanted it to be, I wanted to be able to reach more people mm-hmm. with the tools. And I wanted it also to be like, like a, like a gym for our mental health that, you know, like it is something like we don't stop learning at age 25. So why yeah. do we stop formal education? And it's something mm-hmm. that, we, we just tend to beat ourselves up a lot. We're like, oh, mm. I'm depressed again today. It's like, 
Right. Like, because you're human and your human brain has a negativity vibe. Like, stop. Let's just keep, we don't get depressed if like we wake up and we're like, oh, my breath is stinky again. Like we understand that with our physical health. You're like, of course, that's what happens. That's what happens with our mental health too. If we're not, you know, we don't have sort of that. I say I'm like a personal trainer for their mind. So that's yeah. where I like. I love that okay. personal trainer. Mm-hmm. That needs to be on your uh, website mm-hmm. if it's not already. Mm-hmm. I love that title. Oh, thank you so much, Susie, for coming on the podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm praying to the universe that I can <laughs> take the bits that we've recorded. We started recording, had to cut it, started recording again, had to cut it, started recording the third time. And fingers crossed, I'm going to be able to put all this together. Um, and you're going to get an amazing episode out of it. So thank you again. And I'll put um, the details um, of everything that Susie does in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to the Unbreakable Mindset podcast with me, your host, Jude Daunt. If you have enjoyed this episode, then please do share with others. And it would mean a huge deal to me if you would rate, review, follow and subscribe on your podcast app. This will allow the podcast to keep growing and going to new audiences. And if you want to know all the ways in which you can work with me directly, please visit judedaunt.com coaching.co.uk the links will be in the show notes